Welcome to Devalue with Mike and Caroline, the place where we talk about art and money and how creative people are navigating the ever-changing landscape of trying to make a living for their work. We're going to be interviewing all types of creative people, and we'll be talking about all types of issues that creative people face. We hope you'll get something out of it. We're excited to welcome you to Devalued. Hey, Mike. Hey, Caroline. Who are we talking to today? We're talking to two local Nashville legends, Kurt Wagner from the band Lamb Chop, who are indie rock superheroes, and Mary Mancini, local political luminary who has been a top dog in the Democratic Party for a long time. And what did you like about this conversation? I loved the uh, the crossover with politics, art, how those scenes overlap, how they have directed their lives, I guess. Yeah, and their um, dynamic as a couple, him being a creative person, her being an activist is really interesting. And it was such a great conversation for, for people who are looking for a roadmap to live a creative life and a live a life of political meaning too. Um, you could do both, it turns out, especially when you're married to a creative person or a political person. Mm-hmm. Um, that really goes a long way. So let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Awesome. Start it out? You started out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll start it out kind of how we start out every episode and ask what... Do you think that art and money have a natural relationship? Mary, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> no, I, I will. That is an excellent question. Um, I, I think they have to, unfortunately. Or maybe that's not a natural connection. Maybe that's an unnatural connection that it, that is it is required to have for artists to actually do their work and do their art and survive um in this society anyway in america i'm assuming we're talking about america yeah yeah Yeah. for sure um you know i think there's other countries where they might make it easier for artists to actually survive doing their art but not here we don't really have that mechanism so it's it so my answer is no but it's connected unnaturally because it has to be Mm mm-hmm Kurt, what do you think? Um, uh, definitely not. Uh, our art, I mean, this is how I look at it. I, I think that um, art can survive without money just fine. Um, the, and the fact that it has become monetized for centuries uh, doesn't necessarily um, mean that they're connected. It was just... If you look at it historically, it was one way for artists to survive. Um, but certainly plenty of artists exist in the world that either don't think about money as their motivation or any kind of part of the art-making thing. Um, but what Mary says is you know, pretty right on that um, you know, they, they inevitably do get connected as... Uh, Time has gone on more and more so. Uh, the one way that people can relate to artists is by monetizing it or how uh, much uh, they make from their art. It sort of uh, makes sense to a banker when he's talking to an artist 
<laughs> well, uh, well, how much money do you make? Uh, how are you successful? Um, and usually that question means, are you uh, making any money? Um, and I personally, the way I approach what I do, it's never, it doesn't enter into anything in the creative process all the way through to completing something. And then there's the unfortunate moment after you finish something where you have to sort of um, confront <laughs> confront that issue. Um, it's the least favorite part of what I do. Um, and I can totally confirm what he's saying. <laughs> it does not in any way enter into the equation. <laughs> because, I mean, you'll bring stuff to me and you'll you know say, well, how do you like this record album cover or this title and i'll be like are you trying to alienate people <laughs> are, you, are you trying not to sell records and of course he doesn't listen to me because he shouldn't well it's it, I, I do listen to you but it doesn't necessarily mean that i you know, i'm gonna well, change that's, that's what a i good do point. you do listen to um, me but it's and it's very, very helpful. rarely changes it's yeah. actually very helpful to have somebody to remind me of how um, out of it i am when it comes to uh, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff well, for this record, you chose one of the most familiar yeah, words in the English language. Yeah. And I was wondering, because we were talking when we were like discussing uh, this interview beforehand, sure. and we were saying, like, did you name it that because you wanted to hear people say, I listen to the Bible on my phone? <laughs> well, I mean, that was part of the fun of it, was knowing that that would be connected in any conversation you had about the music. I mean, it, it continues on. I was writing somebody the other day, and I said, well... My plan for all the returns of the record is just wherever I stay in a hotel, just leave a copy of the Bible in the <laughs> drawer of the nightstand. Um, I mean, they're already, it's kind of a natural resting place for the, for, for the, uh, the Bible. Um, but it, it, it certainly, um, I, I, I think in this case of this record, I thought it was a good, strong record and I thought that um, it needed um, an equally uh, potent um title um and it also related to sort of my motivations in general for the music that i was creating so it's sort of related it was fun it was catchy memorable and you know uh speaking of money i guess the bible best-selling book of all time also and also stolen? pretty much built nashville if you think about <laughs> right, it that's true <laughs> it, um because of the publishing business mm. um nashville kind of one of the big businesses that thrived in nashville was uh Bible publishing. Yeah, right. And those publishing houses used to be right down the road. I'm not quite sure they're all there anymore, but that historically was a, you know, a significant um, industry in, in Nashville early on. Yeah, I mean, talking about local politics, that's something that I wanted to talk to you guys about because this idea about what you were mentioning, um, other countries, they have um, you know, grants or welfare programs for artists to enable them to make their art and be and allow them to have some kind of meager existence. Um, but in this city, especially now, it's getting harder and harder for creative people to only make an income from their art. And well, I was wondering if there's, if you think that this town has been successful at, at fostering or helping artists stay here. Well, um, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think any 
again, I think it, it it's it's a cultural part of American society where, like for instance, here's a great example. Maybe five, ten years ago, the we have an, an arts commission here in town, the Metro Arts Commission, and there was a great person in charge of it, and she was in charge of as the city was developing is giving grants to artists to do public art. And, you know, there was there's one right when you're going downtown on Broadway towards the river, and it kind of, it's near Ascend Amphitheater, and it kind of looks like um, a um, roller coaster, almost, like half of a roller coaster mm-hmm. slope or two or whatever. And it's really kind of nice, actually. It's nice to drive down Broadway when you can actually drive yeah, down whimsical. Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> it's whimsical. <laughs> yeah. And instead of appreciating it for what it is, there were so many people who criticize it and said why are we spending money on that right? yeah. like so so i think that's more of a especially in a city like nashville right where you're um there's so many things that are going unaddressed in terms of for the people that actually live here you know we're i think we're getting left behind a lot in terms of the the uh but um, most of the city's focus of the city leaders have their focus on bringing more tourists in to spend dollars and the people that are living here are going without sidewalks and you know uh, affordable housing and and you know transportation public transportation so i think this city in particular um because of that the idea of fostering public art in any form is is going to fall to the bottom because you not only have people doing you know stuff for money and for greed and to sell off the city you also have you know uh, uh, people that live here compl- complaining about the things that they don't have. And so what's the last on the list is public art. So I think it's it's not a priority. I don't think it is going to be anytime soon because there's so many other priorities that are not getting addressed for a livable city. And so much of becoming a creative person is is opting out of, you know, working for the man that idea of getting a job and you seem to have both kind of succeeded at that. I don't know, like, I don't know how you've done it, but, um, but, but I was w- watching an interview with you, Kurt, mm-hmm. from I think 10 years ago where you were saying, um, that all you wanted to do was just see if you could do this. And you always thought that you were going to just have to have a job and that you were right. kind of like locked into this. Oh, totally. Um, that, is absolutely true um it just was sort of a coincidence that the time i um sort of got out of one job the uh, the music thing was enough to sort of sustain us for a while and that was just coincidence well, it wasn't going out there and looking for it um a lot of people do go out there and look for it and some of them are successful doing so and some end up going home you know and doing something else um what makes that happen i have no idea you know <laughs> who knows what makes one thing work for somebody and the same other person not work and there's no formula there's no actually there's no real way to predict that um is even though um it seems like more and more these days particularly in nashville um there's a music industry here that definitely follows a, a pretty um narrow path toward the monetization and the success of music from that perspective um that 
it's a, sort of a natural evolution for Nashville um, because it's always been a music industry town above being like a live music town like in Austin or New York or something like that. It was built on the music industry and the recording industry. And then from that went to the music publishing industry and, and all of the management aspects of it. And now that was so the, it, that all infrastructures here in addition to a lot of, um, it's a place where artists live because they realize it's a sort of centrally located, centrally located uh, place in like the, in the east of Mississippi. And so they can strike every, Chicago, New Orleans, New York, all very within your reach, and it's a great place to be based out. So, Mike, I, I did want to go back, though, and address your question, because it may be important in, in terms of what your podcast actually delivers to people to kind of go over what our stories were, because, yeah. because it is exactly what you said. Well, it's not exactly what you said. It's, it's kind of the opposite, because when we first met, you know, Kurt was a construction worker with a, a master's in fine art. Oh, wow. From uh, from Bozeman. Yeah. From, from Mon University Montana State. Montana, Montana State, State right. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I had a record store. I had Lucy's at the time, Lucy's Record Shop. Right. And then um, kind of almost si simultaneously, I got out of that business and, and went to work for, as an office manager in a job because, you know, yeah. we were looking to have, kids and you know and and kurt was almost simultaneously also working the the construction job and actually putting out music and i think what and maybe you should probably tell this not me but your 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 music came from what you were doing on the side you were working full-time and then on weekends you were playing music with your friends and that's how it yeah i mean i was basically doing the music whenever I wasn't working. So that right. could have been in, like, I get off at three and I'm doing something by five after my nap <laughs> or, <laughs> or whatever like that. But again, that was more or less because I was just about practicing artist, and, and that turned out to be part of my practice was music in addition to painting. And, um, you know, those were two things that I was doing, you know, outside of just, doing the construction work and the construction work was just a, a means to an end money and uh and paying then, the bills yeah and it's the same that those things haven't changed you know again you can go back to michelangelo or whatever the guy was working for a medici or whoever and um to get you know get money but also to realize his vision so those two things are intertwined I, when you work in construction and then you're going to play at a spring water, those are not connected, <laughs> um, you know, in the same way. You're not relying on spring water to make your living. You're working construction. And then what I've noticed now is there's sort of like this immediate jump. Suddenly it's about, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to make money. Here's my manager. Here's how it's going to go. <laughs> and here's our plan. And, you know, and it's very complicated now, and there's a lot of different ways you can bring in money for it, but I still think that if that's the motivation, uh, you're pretty much doomed to, to fail and probably, probably aren't going to be satisfied as an artist if you are not successful and if you do not make money. 
like a lot of people will end up doing something else with their lives after say five, six years of trying. Um, in my mind, I've always been like, well, I'm going to do this regardless. Um, and a lot of the artists that I like and know they would do the same thing for whatever reason, their work, um, or they're able to survive on their work or at least for a while. Um, and I, I say that for a while because over the course of 30 years or whatever, um, I, I, I see the arc of what can happen to an artist in music. And it, it's, you really have, you can't, um, you have to have something more in it. You have to be in it for more than that reason because that reason is fairly uh, fickle and, and temporal. It, it comes and goes with people's interest in fashion or uh, that particular style of music that you're into. That can come and go and then come back again. Who knows? Um, that's also the nice thing about art. It's once you've made it, it's kind of hanging around for a while until your power gets cut off. Or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if money isn't the right uh, motivation, or it doesn't have much longevity as far as guiding your career or your life, just for what us, do you think is the what do you what guides you in what you do and what you pursue? Well, for me, it's the you know it's the joy of making things and accomplishing that and realizing something that hasn't been fully formed before. Taking an idea and then having it exist into something that's real. Um, and the fun part is trying to think of stuff that hadn't you haven't thought of before, and or didn't even realize was possible. And that makes it exciting. That means that there's more to to figure out. It's not done. I figured it all out. I'm done. I'm going to go back to construction. Um, but that's just me as an artist um, talking like that. <laughs> well, you've had to uh, have a lot of motivation for yourself too, Mary, uh, all the way from, you know, retail, music retail, which is its own thing um, that I hold very dear because I've worked in a record store for several years now also, and it's a, a beautiful thing. Um, but then moving into politics and how those may seem very different, but may also be the same as far as where it comes from in your heart. Yeah, I'm still struggling with that because it just seems like I fall into something because it feels like it's the right thing to do at the right time. And and I think it, I'm boiling it down to, you know, I want to be helpful and I want to be happy and in each one of the things that I've done, that sort of fulfill that that happiness, that fulfillment has come. So with the record store, it was a, a niche that totally needed to be filled at the time. I mean, this was thirty years ago in Nashville, right? There was no real independent music store, and then it was just a record store until you know the Kendalls, Don and April came and said, like, "Hey, could we do punk rock shows there?" And I was like, "Sure, that sounds like a good idea." And that kind of took it to a whole nother level. And so that was almost circumstance and opportunity and niche filling. And also there was the, the part of it, I think that is, is myself being inserted into it more is the politics angle, right? The, the idea of the motto, which was no racist, sexist, or homophobic shit tolerated. And that was 30 years ago in Nashville. And that was a big deal, right? So, um, 
And then, you know, after that, it was really just working, like I said, a, a normal job for about 10 years in in technology and, um, you know, any, everything from tech support to office management to, to project management and sales. And, uh, you know, that so that was like a 10 year trajectory. And what I what happened is on the side, I started doing a, a radio show um, and that kind of catapulted me back into what really is filling to me, which is um, activism and uh, uh, politics in a way that helps a community, really. And then from there, it was just sort of like I was on this ride of, you know, uh, the radio show and, and meeting all these different um, politicians and activists and community uh, members. And then going from there into um, uh uh, professional, my career changed at that point into professional activism, and you know I started lobbying at the state level and doing all that kind of work. And from there, I ran for for office for state senate because it seemed like the natural thing to do. And then uh, the Tennessee Democratic Party came after that, and so it was like sort of this, almost like a, you know, a freight train, right? Just and and like one thing after another after another. But all of those things were fulfilling to me. They made me happy, and I feel like I was being helpful. I hope I was being helpful. I I think so. You know, it's really hard to tell because of the state of the state and the state of the city. <laughs> but you want to think that you made some kind of a difference. Um, but that's over now, right? So uh, I think um, I kind of say I got off the hamster wheel now, and and now I'm trying to figure out well what's what's next so a long wind that's a long-winded way to say that uh you know i'm still trying to figure it out now what yeah <laughs> that's comforting to me because i'm trying to figure it out i think we're all yeah, that's comforting to you i'm so glad it's comforting because <laughs> to me it feels very uncomfortable to not i always envy those people who you know from like when they were coming out of the womb practically they knew what they wanted to be right they yeah. knew they wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a musician or they just like, well, this is what I'm, whatever it is. Um, I've always en envied that, you know, so not knowing what you want to do for me is not comfortable. <laughs> it's a different life path for sure. Um, and I guess that's why we enjoy talking to people about sure. it because it's, it's, it can be very lonely when you're just like, what is going on? What am I doing? It doesn't feel like there's a clear path to success in this. I don't know, I don't have a 10-year plan. I don't even have a two-year plan or a two-week plan, really. So, you know. But, you know, uh, something that struck me when Mary was talking, I do think there's sort of a, an intersection of what we're talking about here in, in the way money um, affects um, uh, art, which could be a philosophy, if you want to call it that, and the way... In politics, there's a certain philosophy that happens in politics and how money also in, is informed in that. And it's a big part of what we know as politics. And it's also a, become a big part of what we now know as commercial art or, uh, you know, uh, anything um, manufactured in Seoul. Um, and, and, and there are those connections and those reliances, I think are a little stronger in politics. It um, definitely relies a lot upon money. It shouldn't. It's a, in theory, your political ideals are good, true ideas, but 
unfortunately, money is the thing that sort of um, has become more and more a part of it, even though people have tried to, to sort of ramp that back. It's, a, it's the way things are. And um, it, it is interesting. The same thing happens in, in the world of music as well. Um, in, in a different way, I mean, you can still go out on the corner of Broadway and, well, hopefully, and sing and make a, you know, a, a dar or two until you get arrested. But um, it is, that is another way to directly deal with that. You can also stand on the corner in Broadway on the stoop box and, and talk about communism until, well, probably get arrested as well. <laughs> but th there you, you know, there you have it. I mean, there you could have a, a hat out there to toss money into um, if someone's saying something that you think is worthy of, you know, chipping in. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, and then there's political artists. You know, we could get into that as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Over the years, there's been some really incredible, heavy people that, you know, somehow figured out how to mesh those two things. Art, well, three things, art, politics, and commerce. So that's an interesting little combo there. And how do you, it, it, it gets pretty um, complicated and certainly it, it is ripe for uh, uh, criticism um, because they are, you're touching on some pretty, you know, um, hot topics, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I read this interview that you, or I think it was an essay that you wrote about seeing the Grateful Dead here. Uh-huh. And um, you described this kind of uh, beautiful hippie scene where, you know, the length of your hair uh, determined what your politics were. And right. At Burger King, people were uh, <laughs> ordering Whoppers without meat as a political statement. Yeah. And it's so, uh, it's from this angle, it's, it's almost be beautifully naive because now, like, that hippie movement has been monetized and counterculture has been monetized to mm -hmm. oblivion and yeah. um, even indie rock and punk rock has been monetized. Right. Um, and so when, when you were growing up in Nashville as, you know, a, a deadhead or as a punk rocker, could you look into the future and see a world where like the mainstream would have broken apart? Because to me, it seems like the mainstream um, is more, it's more consolidated than ever. Right. People are only listening to like this, ten, the same 10 artists over and over and over again. I mean, mm -hmm. Oh, that's a whole consolidation of media. It's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, for it, it is, but it isn't, there were moments I do think in the, in the time period that we've both been around Mary that um, like, particularly like the era that where Lucy started, where it actually seemed possible to, create and make things on your own without the reliance on a lot of corporate stuff. In fact, that's basically how we started doing stuff. We figured out we could go to a block away to United and make the record. And we could record it another block away at a friend's house and put it all together and do it ourselves, give it to a distributor. And that was like a little moment in time that came and went over the course of basically that era that Lucy's was around. The 90s, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Um, there was also the big scare of the major labels when all of a sudden um, Napster came around and um, suddenly nobody had to pay for records anymore and they were freaking out. And I kind of thought it was kind of cool uh, that 
yeah, I, I didn't get a lot of support from any of the label people <laughs> because I had that opinion. But I, um, I, I thought as far as it was a good thing for music overall, turned out to be a great thing for them in the long run. Yeah. They just panicked and didn't know exactly how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So that's two little moments that happened there. Right. And if you go back to when I was growing up here um, in the 60s and stuff, just the notion that there was uh, interest in music in a sort of open, in a bigger way than that had been conceived of before. Um, that the very thing that happened on Alumni Lawn with the Grateful Dead and stuff was an example of like, where did all these people come from? They did not go out to show up to go see Hank Williams. About half of them probably would have back then, but the, the, the scale had been growing and the, there was a, an interest in that type of thing and the monetization of it was already happening and was soon to follow in a bigger and bigger way through the 70s into the 80s. And then there was another swing back away from it. Um, I always, at the time, I remember when like, you know, punk rock started and new wave and stuff, it seemed to me like, oh, these guys aren't interested in money per se. And there was a certain element of that, you know, like the Discord people in DC, that they were very... Um, ethical. Ethical about it, but they're, you know, still they charged to go to a show or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Fugazi five dollar shows, right, right? Right, right, and that was it. Had a big influence on a lot of artists at that time, but that led into the nineties, and there was a lot more. So it 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 has these moments where it sort of almost breaks apart to a, <laughs> to a, a place that's a little more less um, um, well commercial greed driven, or something like that, or just uh, money driven, or whatever. You know what's interesting though now about about the way you describe it is that now though it's easier the way you described it was you, you made a record you went to a recording studio which costs mm. a lot of money mm. right relative mm. I mean relatively when you put out your first record in the 90s and it's a seven inch right like you have to bring everybody in and they're whole day recording we didn't pay anything <laughs> okay All right. well, my point though is the point i'm trying to make you did have to get it pressed you had money had yeah, to, yeah, money yeah. to yeah. United record pressing or whatever but now it's different because you can you if you have a computer you can just pretty much make your own music Right. Without and put it out there. You don't have to actually get it pressed to get it out there. You and just you're, you're kind of doing that. I mean, you you had a, a a band where Pitchfork would make size of would make fun of the size of your band where you're yeah. like Lamb Chop has twenty people in it right. and now you're making albums with just you. Essentially, like, right? Yeah, and about twenty other people yeah. still. I mean, that hasn't changed. But the, but yeah. it is but it is in terms of, you know, you don't have to actually go to a physical place. Right. You right. can trade files electronically, yeah. digitally. No, that's a good so, point. And I it, mean, and it, so it's easier in some mm -hmm. respects to to actually get your music out there. Oh but yeah. Th then the, the the other side of that is there's more in the marketplace too, right? So yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah. I mean, that's enabled a lot more people to enter the group, the the conversation. The, it it the is a lot right, and to put out whatever art they want to put out. Yep. And that goes for probably any art field really music art yeah know, i mean the phone changed everything um anybody can make yeah. their own photographs now movies all of those things um 
And again, it's just an, you have tools available to you now. And so what happens is you get a lot of stuff out there. And also it, eventually what happens is there becomes a certain, um, I guess, sort of numbness to it um, because there's so much of it and it's everywhere. And um, that is kind of a problem. You mean uh, as a listener, numbness as a listener? As a general consumer, a consumer of, of yeah. art information, yeah, it is overwhelming. It's I would agree with that completely. Um, it, it's a byproduct of the thing you're talking about. Um, it does it. It makes things almost suffocating to to some extent, and you have to be very discriminate discriminating as as a listener. Uh, you know, people talk about curating and stuff like that, where everybody has their own. Everyone's a curator now, right? You know, uh, <laughs> it sounds, even if it's only for themselves. Sounds really sleazy. When you say <laughs> well, it's kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fascinating, I, and and I don't think it's stymied creativity at all. But I do think our um, how we uh, rank it as special has gone down a few notches. Uh, we it's become you take it more for granted. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, going to a museum used to be a, like a pretty big deal because you, it was the only place you would get to see great art. Right. Um, and now I don't have to go to a museum. The experience hasn't right. changed. It's still, I heart, heartily recommend it because it is not the same as looking at, a, a, at your phone, um, seeing an actual work of art in a, anywhere in real life. Yeah. Or even just the idea of listening to a whole album, getting someone's whole perspective. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, that that's the way I grew up listening to music. Mm -hmm. And it's the way that I found out about your music in mm -hmm. high school, where the cool kids would be like, have you heard of this band, Lamb Chop? Yeah. And now you're competing with my whole phone. <laughs> well, uh, in every recorded song ever, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to totally hijack everything, but uh, I, you know, comp music, uh, the notion of music and competition also comes out of what I was just talking about. That suddenly there's all this stuff, and in our, I don't believe that music is competition for one, or art is, but it does compete for the space in your brain at, at one particular time with something else you have to make these kind of decisions about the thing you're going to listen to because there's one there's a lot of it and a lot of it is competing for your time your attention your um your money um those are decisions that you have to make um and it's when there's more and more of it competing for that little chunk of space in your brain you know that's um it gets a little, I don't know, it, it, it's like, a, what do they call it in financial terms, um, uh, when it, it's a saturated market. <laughs> do you think about that at all when you're making no. art? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I try to think as, about as little as possible. <laughs> Maybe after the fact? When well, after the fact, yeah, I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, no, not when you're making so, I mean, I, I want to go back to what you were saying about um, being uncomfortable and being an activist. And there's so much 
there's so much work that we still have to do to value artists and to make uh, artists uh, 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 to make to make a living as an artist a viable part of of, of life. Um, what do you do? You, is there any place that you think is getting it right? Is there are there any examples of a city that is doing things the right way that we could learn from here? Hmm. Um. I mean, I thought Portland was. And, and you know, and it, but but apparently they're having some issues now too. But I mean, I think okay. If you here's if if you want certain, if you want the things that you value to be valued, yeah. So for is we we have to rely on our elected leaders to help us implement that. Right. That's why they're. That's why we elect them. We elect them because. We want them to uh, represent our values in whatever legislative body they're in. So we elect them to because they do think that public art is important. We elect them because they do think that transporta- public transportation and access to affordable housing is important. That's ideally what we do. Uh, and on every level of government, you can go up and up and up depending on what they legislate on. But the reality is, I think going back to what Kurt said, is unless we take money out of politics completely, 100%, and this is from somebody who spent, you know, two years running for office, well, two years before that, raising money for this organization that I ran as an activist, you know, two years raising as much money as I could to be a Democratic candidate for state Senate, you know, you had to at least raise like $150,000 to even have a shot. And then I spent six years as the head of the Tennessee Democratic Party raising all I, I did. 90% of my job was raising money. I mean, that's that's what I did. Right. Because that's what fuels the machine. That's what fuels the levers of power. And so removing myself from that and and, you know, people when I was in those jobs and doing those things, you know, we knew I knew, let me just speak for myself. I knew that it was corrupted, had a corrupting influence on it. But that's the game that you're playing. That is the way the system is built. Until we re- remove that, it's I think it's going to be harder and harder and harder for us to hold our leaders accountable for actually implementing the things that we want them to implement because they're beholden to the people that are giving them the most money not necessarily the people that are voting for them. And so if we want a different Nashville, if we want to be more like um, Portland was a couple of years ago or Austin was a couple of years ago, I think every city is struggling with this kind of a thing. If we want to have, you know, accessible public transportation like they do in big cities like New York and, you know, we want to do something about climate change in this city and we want to have some impact on affordable housing and, you know, whatever, list them all. Public art, let's talk about public art and supporting artists in this town. If we want that, then we have to fix a broken political system. And I, after, I I just, I don't see it happening. I think, you know, I think that it is too firmly entrenched in our system. We see people that we think want to get rid of that, get elected, and they don't do anything about it. And that's where the real problem lies. So getting money out of politics would really be helpful. I think Kurt, the way Kurt describes his his process, um, and as an artist, as any artist uh, will tell you, like the art basically comes first, but um, 
you know, you have to, it's, it's not the same. I don't think it's the same thing as money in politics. I think money fuels politics and fuels the decisions people make. I don't necessarily think it does the same with art and artists. I think it, it can in some cases, right? If people want to be, you know, Madonna. Right. Oh, sorry. Let me let me update that reference. <laughs> People want to be Taylor Swift, right? It's gonna it, that's gonna be important. But I also think that they're you know, it's it's uh it's just two. I think it's two separate things. But yeah, it would be really really helpful um, for artists. <clears throat> From everything or everyone, from artists all the way on up, from people who don't want to sit in their cars in traffic in Nashville for thirty minutes, to drive, you know, it to to hold our leaders accountable by taking that that money out of the whole rigged system. I mean, that certainly is the the ideal. Um, and as Mary said, it's looking pretty grim um, as far as what. How is that going? Can that even happen? Um, it, it's a, it's kind of a paralyzing question, really. You know, when you think about it, because there really is no, it, it just stops you cold. You know, you just kind of go, well, that's sort of like, well, it's not even a conundrum. It's just you just get stopped cold by the notion that is this it? Is this as good as it gonna get? What do we do? Do we give up? Do we? You know, you don't give up, obviously. But um, it is is fraught with just doing it anyway, you know, just trying to do the right thing. And a lot of people end up internalizing it and then trying to just be a better person, trying to treat each other better, things like that. I mean, that goes a long way, you know, as far as um, at least feeling you're getting, you're accomplishing your ideals, at least on a very micro level, even if it's just your family and your friends and, and maybe grows a little bit bigger than that and so you still have that i think and that doesn't necessarily cost money you know to do i think and it's truly a beautiful part of what you can get out of you having these goals of, of a better society and a better world um you can comfort yourself at least that you can you have that to control yeah and knowing that we're not alone in it. I mean, Absolutely. the four of us at least are well, doing our best. I, I think there's a lot of people that way. It's <laughs> just that you feel like, even if you're the majority, you feel like there's no way that that's, uh, it feels hopeless in a way. But again, you gather together, you have conversations, you talk, you at least try to, um, you know, re reinforce each other's, you know, beliefs and your own. I read this interview with you in Tone Glow, mm -hmm. and you were saying that you have to choose what you want to get out of creativity. That's true. You do. Um, and I think anybody who really wants to be an artist has to at least ask themselves, what, what do I want out of it? What is going to make me happy? Uh, and those are, those are big questions, um, but I think... It's, and, and there may not be necessarily an answer you can come up with right, right away. I mean, a lot of times questions don't always have to be answered. They just have to be asked and considered. Um, you don't have to have a right, there's no right answer per se, but the, the fact that you're aware enough to ask yourself, well, what do I want out of this thing? You know, <laughs> uh, that's both fun and exciting and challenging and difficult 
and disappointing and enriching and you know it goes uh, all these different extremes um i think it's one of the most important questions an artist can ask themselves other than um is it done yet <laughs> <laughs> i mean living with a creative person is it uh, as maddening as it would seem like from the outside when someone's working on an album uh what is it like for the partner is it crazy? It's not. It's surprisingly, not surprisingly, if you know Kurt, it's not. It's, it really is a, for me, I don't know when he does it. Like I, even, even with the pandemic and me, you know, not working for the last couple of years and being home most of the time, I still don't know when he how he puts it together like when is he writing <laughs> when is he writing these songs like when is like i can't see it it's because i'm pretty stealthy <laughs> he is very stealthy it's the oddest thing it's so weird and then all of a sudden he's like oh i'm putting out a new record i'm like what did you do this because we have a we have a very normal it's, life right we, yeah, absolutely we yeah cook yeah. dinner yeah yeah, yeah. You know, we, we do the stuff yeah, that i mean people it's, do. <laughs> you just do the thing that you're gonna do yeah but so yeah. no it's weird I, I, I just have a different uh, artist. Every artist is different. I I like to sort of be pretty um, private about it until I, you know, eventually you hear what I'm up to. I, yes, he but does. but there are certain <laughs> people that just you know that they are fine with just letting everybody hear the um, the creative process that it unfolds. Uh, you know playing the piano in the other room and they're singing, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's Or even the frustration, even if you were frustrated, like, right. I don't know if he ever gets writer's block. Oh, mm. yeah, totally. Well, see, I don't know that. <laughs> Maybe I'm not asking the right questions. No, it, it's just that I... <laughs> but, I it, but, yeah, it, it, to me, He those, doesn't bring that into the whole, you know... Yeah, I, I Frustration know. of it I, into the into the. I try to be really. respectful that a lot, of, you know, a lot of it is just my bullshit. And it's just like, you know... <laughs> You just don't necessarily need to share all your bullshit. You know, it's good to <laughs> wait a minute. Share you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you have such a. I don't know. You're you're an indie rock uh, power couple, obviously. <laughs> well, once uh, upon a time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. Of course, the romantic in me is like. So, how did you guys meet? Because uh, it seems like mm -hmm. the music industry for me, or the music scene rather, um, is how I've met everyone. I know. <laughs> it's, sure. you know, how I've met my friends, um, my boyfriend, my coworkers, like everyone I met in this sort of scene. It seems like you guys did. And uh, yeah, so I love it to look, hear if it. anybody's having trouble making friends or, um, you know, meeting the love of their life, I would suggest opening up a record store <laughs> and, and just sitting there for eight hours a day and no. have people come to you. I'm on walk by. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really, we met at Lucy's. Yeah. He was, he was, he was in a band called Lamb Chop. Actually, Poster Children. Did, child. Child. Poster Child. Did we play there? I think we did. I think he played Poster, yeah, poster we Child definitely once. Did. Yeah. Before they got a cease and desist. From poster children, yeah. and had to call it lamb chop, right. and then and we were friends first for about a year. Oh yeah, you know we just kind of hung out as friends, and then mm -hmm. and then we found ourselves newly single. The rest is history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you seem to have similar ethos. Yeah, yes. uh, I mean Mary was, um, she hit this town, and people took notice. I mean she was like 
starting something that nobody had really considered. Um, and it, it really did change the scene here. I, um, I can, let me just push back on that a little because I think it, thank you, I think it coalesced, if that's the word, the scene, right? Because oh, well, I, I, and it, it did coalesce the scene. It, the scene was going <laughs> the on. The scene yeah, was absolutely. going on. It just gave it a <clears throat> focal point. And, you know, when, uh, when I was talking to somebody from Cat, uh, from Fun Girls from My Pilot, and who was a band back in the day, and he made that point. Like, there mm. are cities that have uh, punk rock scenes or any kind of scene, artistic scene or whatever, um, where bands go around or, you know, and play different places. But it's the ones that have an actual, like, community space almost that have the best communities because everybody knows to gather in that in that space right they know that that's where they're going to go to meet like-minded people and and so that i mean that was really it it's just you I rented a space and opened the doors and then all of a sudden the scene came to lucy's and if became build it. it exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, i hope people that listen to this outside of nashville or towns that already have stuff going on will take that into account that the scene they probably have a lot of like-minded people around them yeah. and they just need a, There's a platform places a place. and scenes all over the country mm -hmm. um and it just happened that at that particular time mary showed up and created this thing and it did coalesce around it and um but it you were from somewhere else it, it didn't happen well i mean it was trying to happen from you know donnie naples point of view so it was together with those guys that really it happened but regardless you brought it to reality by having that space and it was a you know what it was a it seemed to be the the right thing at the right time right for the right people with the right people it was like a, it's just kind of a weird perfect you know uh amalgamation of all those things there is a, a place actually um in seattle called the vera project v-e-r-a project and they they took it to the next level and it's almost like a, i wish i had thought of it kind of a thing and i'm thinking of it now though because um they not only have a performance space but they also have artistic spaces and office spaces and communal spaces and maker spaces for that kind of DIY punk rock community. And it's almost like a hub for mm. those kinds of things. And they've been going strong for yeah. 20, 30 years or something like that. And it's a nonprofit. And I think that would, you know, there's a lot of great things, again, happening in Nashville in different parts of the city. Mm -hmm. But what would that look like if they all came together under one roof, right? It's kind of like... Um, uh, Conexion Americas on out on Nolansville Road, right, for the immigrant and Hispanic communities. You know, there they have a big space where they have different advocacy groups coming in there and all working out of that space, but they also have, like, um, a classroom, you know, so that uh, they can have one group space where people can do ESL courses. You know, they have uh, maker spaces, uh, they have a kitchen where people that want to start catering businesses can actually start and do their stuff, rent that out. And do, so it's like it becomes a focal point, and um, it just is, it's just helpful, right? It's just helpful to meet people. It's helpful for the scene. 
helpful to foster um, new artists too. You know, there's a lot of people that grow up out of that that um, would never have uh, you know put a band together or put a zine together or written a comic if they didn't have a place to present it. And that's often where activism and art really do merge yeah. at the ground level. And it's I think that that won't ever be stopped. There's always going to be underground scenes sure. and underground bands and, you know, people doing it just because they have to. Yeah. Yeah, but, they have to, to they have to fulfill their creative, whatever creative feeling they have, right? They just have to do it. Yeah. It's coming from within. But I... Not to be the bummer guy here or anything. <laughs> be the bummer guy. But I'm bringing it back to, I think, sort of the topic of our conversation overall. I mean, all of that has to do with money to some extent. Yeah, for sure. Um, even even Lucy's needed a certain amount of income to, to continue to be the, the place that it was. Connexion certainly has to have a, a revenue stream of some in order to exist. Um, so it, it, it is factored in there. I mean, it's... The idea is great, and but it, it does require some sort of uh, funding, whether it becoming a nonprofit and getting a grant to do those kinds of things. The same thing with a lot of art things. You can still get grants to do cool stuff, um, oddly enough. I mean, it, it's still possible. It's just um, um, an avenue that you can take uh, for the betterment of a, a greater number of people beyond yourself. And I, I think that's... I. It's not really a bummer. I just wanted to sort of throw that in there. <laughs> no, that's interesting. As keep it on on point. You know. Well, I mean, you know, I you don't share your creative process with Mary, but does her activism inform your absolutely? Work? Yeah, yeah. I think as Mary got more and more active in politics, I realized I needed to figure out more about that, and so I paid a lot of attention and tried to hang out with these people and learn more about what was what what it was going on and really I, I realized I was just basically a well-meaning but casual voter essentially I didn't have any other real knowledge of what it actually took and what to accomplish becoming a, a, anybody in politics with an office I didn't know what was involved in that it was very revelatory and it did influence um, and I slowly but surely became um, allowing that to be part of the work that I made, starting like, I guess, Flotus or something like that was yeah. an example of that. Again, politics and art are almost um, harder for me to um, reconcile together than money and art. Um, just, we had a big fight about this once. <laughs> Or several times. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> yeah. I, because I, I just, I, I remember, you probably don't remember this, but I do. Um, we were talking about um, the the idea of writing songs with political, right. completely political messages. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's absolutely a place for these folks to do this and to speak out. And I think you had a... Uh, you, well, you, you just I being, actually agree with that. Okay, so you were maybe, just being contrary at the time. I, guess. I, I probably was. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Police Dog Blues off your new record is pretty damn political. Yeah, I, I think I've become more... Actually, it took Mary getting out of politics for me to even um, be a little more um, overt with what I was trying to say, although I think that probably pushed it about as far as I would dare to go. 
I do know that as long as Mary was in office, I, I wanted to be sure that nothing I did would reflect poorly on, on her because politics is a prickly pear of a thing. Is and that when you started using autotune? <laughs> yeah, that, that that helped me a lot. I'm oh, sorry, that was no, a cheat. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, blame uh, it on that. Yeah. No, I, I I do think that um, um, being a spouse of of, of a um, of someone involved in politics is um, it, is something that I always wanted to be as supportive as possible, and I thought probably the best way for me to be that supportive person was to shut up. Uh, especially on social media. Uh, as much as I would have wanted to be that person, I knew that in the end, the best thing I could do to help was to not say anything um, and act instead or try another more subversive way of, of, of Did I ever ask myself. you not to do that? I'm curious. Did you I? You never did. Okay. No, absolutely. You would have probably encouraged me, although... You probably would say, oh, don't say that. <laughs> I want to ask you as well, I mean, did does the creative side inform the activism? Oh, wait, can I just tell one quick story? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is so funny, and I'll, I'll answer that, but when um, one of the one of the many mayoral elections that we had, I was the chair of the Tennessee Democratic Party, and one of the many mayoral elections I had, we had... Um, a friend of ours asked Kurt to be in uh, a commercial. Remember mm. that? And oh, so yeah. it's this mayoral commercial, and all or and all you do is you see Kurt in the background, like looking through records at Grimey's. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know. I don't even think I was in focus. It, it, yeah, you were blurry. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the other mayoral candidates, because they're they're all Democrats in Tennessee, got mad. Because my husband was in another right. mayoral candidate's commercial. And I was like, wait, what? It's weird. <laughs> it didn't really make any sense. It right? didn't make it. It's like, you're, it was kind of like they were saying, like, you're showing favoritism. And I was like, I'm not in the commercial. I don't understand what you're talking about. But anyway, that was but, really but, funny. But yeah, and that sort of reinforces what I was saying. That is an exact example of that. Like, but I was even that way be prior to that. Sensitive. I didn't even think that would have been a deal. But it, it just shows how sensitive the, the issue is. Um, and again, probably the best thing to do if you really want to be supportive is to shut up and let Mary speak for herself and and... I, I get myself in enough trouble. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to answer your question, I you know I'm not. I don't think it does. Other than the idea of what we were talking about earlier, in that I you know living with someone who's creative reinforces my feeling that there is absolutely a place for government and our elected officials to support public art and to support artists. I mean, I had that before um, anyway, but I think, you know, living with someone who just does it because that's their creative outlet and they want to, they can't not do it. Um, I think more people like that. It reinforces the idea that more people like that need, they need support, but they also need their own voices, right? So like there's a musician's union here that yeah. is, um, uh, uh, that should be in existence to speak for the creative musicians in town, right? So they need their own activists as well. There's groups that, that actually help 
musicians and music adjacent people navigate the healthcare system, right? So there's an important they they have an important role. So um, the the fact that it just reinforces the idea that our public structures need to support creative people. Yeah. And the working class in general, I guess. Just that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, exactly. You're. You know what? You are one hundred percent right. It's not. It's just about people who are working for who have to work for a living. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and I guess we kind of battle just to touch on like thinking of being an artist as having a job. Like it is work. It's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's a hopefully something that artists enjoy doing, but it is labor and it deserves to be valued as such. Absolutely. That's a great way to put that. 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're close to wrapping up here. Is there anything else we want to? Yeah. Any advice for um, folks listening that may be, you know, looking for a little North star in their Mm. creative lives? Um, Don't screw it up. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so RuPaul of you. <laughs> no. No, actually, if I'm really honest, I'd screw it up a lot. That's how you learn about everything is by making mistakes. So I'll amend that. Just screw up a lot. Yeah. yeah, I guess we didn't really get to ask you. Um, you haven't had a manager, correct? Correct. <laughs> what do you think about that decision? Um, It's. I would have loved one. I was just we were very unmanageable for a long time. Um, <laughs> I, I still, I think more and more it, it it because everything's so there's so many aspects more aspects to the idea of existing as a a musician artist doing things and there's so much stuff to be taken care of. I can see it being um, almost essential for people. Um, and it's just, especially today, whatever, the 26th of October, uh, 22, (laughs) um, that's, um, it's just very, everything's very complicated in order. I've been always lucky that I've worked with people that have been, um, a lot of people take extra time and help me through the various aspects of it. And I rely upon all these people from record labels to booking agents to people helping me managing uh, our publishing or whatever and, and all the complexities of social media on and on and on and on. That's a lot for even a manager to, just to think about doing. And having a, a group of people that you have worked with for a long time um, and you build those things up, that equals a manager. So. I, it's sort of facetious for me to say, oh, I'm not managed, but I have this incredible group of people that are helping me and have helped me all through my life. And that includes Mary uh, as much as anything. I mean, that is also an important part of what sustains artists is the relationships you have with your loved ones and how you have to make certain decisions based upon is it about me or is it about my family or, and stuff like that. And all of that stuff is what, I guess that's all management too, right? Yeah, that's, it's interesting because now thinking back on it, I think that's, you know, talking about not really under, knowing when he's writing or, you know, when he's producing something or making a new album, 
there have been times, though, when you have talked about, you know, how hard it is to be your own manager. Like, I wish I didn't have to do all this other bullshit because I could be making music right now. And so it's almost like if you can find, if you are able as a creative person and you can find someone to help you manage the business side of it, that's key and really important because that leaves you more time to to actually do the creative process or to actually create you know but it's very rare that it's it's rare that bands and people get to that level well, a, lot right? of, a lot of my decision early on was i don't think we can afford to have a no, that, that's what yes that's the other part of it yeah i mean we weren't getting paid uh for at least you know 10 12 years we wow. were just doing it as a as something fun and yeah. a nice vacation to europe every now and <laughs> um, but we, nobody came home with any money other than maybe what we sold at the merch table or something. Um, and because we go back to work. And so we were, we were free of that responsibility. And I think that's an ideal situation for anyone developing as an artist is to not feel they're reliant on making that money in order to consider themselves an artist. Um, but to actually, you know, that is not legitimizing yourself. Your work is the legitimacy, whether it's good or accepted. Again, can can occur without you spending a dime, really. Right. Um, it, it or not. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> As things get more uh, claustrophobic, but it's it. So the idea of you know us having a manager was just was, was no we can't afford that, and I think that's why the few times I did tip my toe into the water they looked at it and went i, I can't make any money on these guys <laughs> they're, they're, they don't make any money they spend it all on, on music crazy <laughs> you know um, it, 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 but I, I absolutely see a reason for it now it's just i i do know that um it, it is challenging um both ways um management Sounds like a good idea a lot of the times, but it can also be a hindrance, and you have to know when to put that aside and to deal directly one on one with people in order to get your your point and your voice heard properly. Uh, management can be used as a buffer or a protective device, and it can also be off putting if you're trying to get something understood between two people. It's like uh, you don't always need a, a negotiator uh, there in the room for you. Yeah, um, you know, it helps when you're trying to talk a guy off a building, yeah, uh, uh, right, or something like right. that, <laughs> like in the movies. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Um, if you're just right there on the building with him, you're just talking about. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but I love that idea uh, that money doesn't legitimize you as an artist. The work does, yeah, of course. Uh, ultimately, I mean, you can be dead and gone, and that money is spent. Yeah, right, right. But there, what's left is somebody going, oh, wow, have you heard this big star record? Right. You know? Right. Well, thank you so much yes. for coming on. This Thanks has been awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Devalued. For more information about our podcast, please visit devalued.show. <laughs>